I want to invite all of us to grab your Bibles or your phone or your iPad, whatever you're using, because I want us to get in the habit of opening the Bible for ourselves. And so we're just putting the reference up today. I want you to find it. Turn on your Bibles to Romans chapter 14. My friends, we've graduated to Romans 14, a marathon series. We are, we are five weeks away from completing this marathon. Come on, somebody. It's been a crazy journey. We arrive at Romans 14. I believe this chapter is so powerful. And I must warn you, this is one of those rated M word for mature audience only. Ask your neighbor, are you, are you over 17? Can you handle this? Can you handle this in the spirit? Because warning, there will be some triggers. You know, Gen Z, you will be triggered <laughs> this morning. Romans 14 says, accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. No wonder he's weak. <laughs> the one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master's servant stand or fall, and they will stand for the Lord is able to make them stand. Verse 5, one person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and give thanks to God. For none of us live for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. Verse 8, if we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Verse 10, you then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. Verse 12, so then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or a sister. That is the word of the Lord. Can you say amen? Now, if you're new with us, we've been on this journey since February, it's been a marathon series to try to understand the Word of God through the book of Romans. And we talked about the fact that this book is divided into two halves. The first half of the book, the Apostle Paul is trying to teach us how to have a relationship with God by His grace and by faith alone. And then the second part of it, he says, now you, you are a believer, and as a believer, you have to know how to relate to one another. And so the second part of the book is all about godly relationships. How do we relate to one another as God's people? 
And so far, we've talked about our relationships with ourselves, other believers, the world. How do we relate to the government last week, uh, two weeks ago? How do we relate to friends and enemies? And now Paul turns his attention to a very delicate thing. I think this is a very important, timely word for where we are today in society. It's how do we relate to each other when there is tension in the community, when we have different opinions, when we have different things that we feel convicted over, how can we coexist as God's people? And I believe this is a great template for how we should treat all Christians everywhere, even Christians who don't come to this particular church because there's only one church of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? If you're taking notes, the issue here, my friends, is that there is a spirit of rejection instead of a spirit of acceptance around disputable matters. In other words, they are fighting each other over matters of opinion. So I want to title this talk, Matters of Conscience. There are certain things that are a matter of conscience. One of the struggles, this is why I call this a mature word, is that it's, it's, it takes maturity to discern matters of conscience. And there's a lack of wisdom to understand the difference between basic biblical principles and individual preferences. It takes maturity to discern what is biblical and what is my preference. Disputable matters is a matter of opinion. Biblical principles is a matter of the Word of God. And the hard part is to learn to discern between the two. Can you say amen? So in this particular context, as you know, we've been talking about the fact that this church in Rome is filled with Jewish believers and Gentile believers. They have different cultures. They have different upbringing. They have different perspectives. They have different ways to worship. And now they've, they've converged under the same place, under the same umbrella of the grace of Jesus. And now they're, they're learning how to actually coexist. But the problem is they are finding ourselves at odds with each other because they are making opinions into doctrines. To be more specific, they were having debates over what to eat and what not to eat. The Jewish believers come from the background of kosher. They are seeped in the tradition that there are certain things that you eat and certain things you don't eat. The Gentile, they don't grow up with that culture. They eat whatever they want to eat. And the problem is in Rome, they would sacrifice animals to demonic gods, and then they would sell those meats in meat shops, and anyone could buy them, and usually you get them at a discount price, and the Gentiles are like, word, I can get my meat, and I can eat it, and the Jews, believers are like, how can you eat that? Sacrifice to idols. The Gentiles are like, I thought there was only one God. Why are you worried about that? So you see the tension that they were having in this. The ones with the weak conscience are saying, there's no way I can eat meat that I know was sacrificed to idols. Gentiles are like, there's no way I'm having a barbecue without meat. Hello, somebody. A barbecue with just vegetables. I mean, that's a tension. Not only were they struggling around the, 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 the contention of, of, of food, but also when it comes to holy days. The Jewish tradition is seeped into traditions and, and days that they believe are 
important to remember God and to remember his will and his purpose. And the Gentile world is coming from a pagan world where they have different holidays and different traditions. And if you think about it, there's nothing new under the sun. We're still arguing over these things. We just had Halloween and some Christians have a problem with Halloween. Some Christians are like, I just want to give out candy. I don't even see what the big deal is. Pretty soon we're going to have Christmas. And some people will say, isn't that a pagan holiday? Some people are like, yeah, we're celebrating Jesus' birthday. And some people are like, was Jesus really born on December 25th? Did he really die in April? We get caught up on all these disputable matters and miss the point. They also were struggling with drinking. Is drinking allowed? Can you drink and still love Jesus? So the question becomes, my friends, what do we do when we disagree on matters that are disputable or matters of opinion? Again, I want to title this a matter of conscience because please write this down if you're taking notes. Matters of conscience means when something is not a clear commandment in the Bible, they fall into that category. Matters of conscience, when something is not a clear commandment in the Bible. The problem with us humans is that we live in extremes. And I've told you since we started this series that the two extremes we need to avoid as God's people is on one side you have the extreme of legalism, which is adding rules and laws and regulations to please God. And on the flip side, you have the extreme of liberalism, which is to subtract from the Word of God. So they're both wrong, and Paul is trying to help them understand, if you want to be a serious Christian, you have to live in the tension of grace and truth. Can't pick one or the other. Because depending on your personality, depending on your bringing, depending on your conscience, you might fall on the side of legalism. The problem with legalism is you're adding to the gospel. And depending on your personality and traits, you might fall on the side of liberalism where you're subtracting actually to try to be more relevant, but you're both missing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you tracking? God gave us a conscience. We talked about the conscience being an internal GPS system that God put inside every human being to help them discern what's right from wrong. Now, the conscience is not enough because the conscience is polluted by sin, but it's a start. Right? It's a start. Like God put that inside all of us to help us discern what's right and what's wrong. And the truth be told, your conscience, if you pay attention to it, keeps you from a lot of trouble. Yes, can I give you an example, sister? When I was in high school, when I was in high school, I hung out with a lot of disreputable characters, a.k.a. pharmacists. Street pharmacists. (laughs) I was around people who who, who did drugs and dealt drugs, and and I was offered drugs. And my friends would even say, listen, you're always broke. Here's some, like, go make some money. But my conscience would not let me participate. It wasn't because I loved Jesus. It wasn't because I was holy. It's just that my conscience was like, dude, don't do that. Don't touch that. And I can tell you, I have never done drugs in my life, not because of Jesus, but because of the conscience that Jesus put inside of me. Now, funny thing is, as a teenager, I love the street credit. So I was like, look, he's a G. He hangs out with his dudes. He must be. Suit this. I was not a G. I was one of the fakers. Like, I was around it, but I wasn't really about it. I wasn't about that life. 
but I love the street credit. Are you tracking with me? Your conscience will keep you from a lot of trouble if you pay attention to it. Now, here's the problem with conscience. Not all conscience are created equal. <laughs> we are all complex individuals. Therefore, at any given moment, you have different perspectives depending on your personal conscience. Think about it. We're all affected by our upbringing, our family, our religious background. Some of us come from very legalistic backgrounds. Some of us come from very liberal backgrounds. We're affected by our communities. We're affected by our school system. We're affected by a lot. Listen, I don't know how you feel, but here's how I feel about church. Anytime one person walks into this door, a lot walked in. Because every person is extremely complex. The Bible says you are uniquely and wonderfully made. Some of y'all are just more fearfully made than wonderfully made. Because <laughs> we're all very complex. Can we be honest for a second? I know we're in church, but can we take a moment and just acknowledge the fact that we are all living contradictions at times? Oh, yeah. Am I talking to the right people here? <laughs> in other words, we all have strengths and we all have weaknesses when it comes to the matter of conscience. There are some things that you feel strongly about and there are some things you are not that strong about. The problem with us is we love to highlight our strengths and we are quiet about our weaknesses. Thank you, sister. <laughs> Thank you. We all have personal preferences. For example, I was studying and I like to listen. I, I, I study by looking at different commentaries. I, I try to look around the landscape of Christianity so I'm not looking at just from one vein, and I listen to like three or four, five sometimes different commentaries. I listen to preachers and see what they take was on this particular passage. This is what I do all week long. It, it, it's a process to, to put a, a message together. But it, it was, I was laughing this week because I was listening to a preacher that I, that I appreciate from far, and he was talking about some of his personal preferences. I was like, oh man, we're very similar when it comes to that. Like, if you know me, I love movies. It's one of my favorite pastimes. If you want to be my friend, bless me with a gift card to the movies and we'll be friends. <laughs> it's what I love to do. But I'll be honest with you, I love movies of all kinds, but I can't do horror movies. That's a place of weakness for me. And I know they're fake, but I've seen too much demonic stuff in my life to open that door. I just can't do it. Like, it's a matter of conscience. Like, I can't watch horror movies. Some of y'all, you're like, Give me the biggest popcorn in the world and give me the most gross horror movie in the world. You're like, what's wrong with that? <laughs> now, because that's a personal uh, weakness for me, it's not my place to come and make a doctrine out of it and tell you you can't watch horror movies because I'm affected by horror movies. That is a weakness, not supposed to be a doctrine. I also, when it comes to music, I prefer hymns. Like, if you see me in my quiet time, I love reflective music. My kids say, Dad, you like sad music. <laughs> when we have family devotions, they're like, anyone can pick a song but Dad. <laughs> so you don't want to fall asleep. 
I love hymns. Like when I'm worshiping Jesus by myself, it's very reflective. It's very low key. Listen, Pastor Elijah and I, we put together the worship sets every single week. We talk about those songs from two perspectives. One is, you know, does it go along with the message? And two, how many, can he bring as many people into the worship as possible? Because I have to put my personal preference aside to think about the greater community. And that's what maturity does. Because why? I can worship Jesus, or worship Jesus by myself anytime I want. I don't have to impose that on you the way that I love to worship Jesus personally. Are you tracking with me? The reality is this. I know me. There are certain parts of me that is prone to legalism. And there's parts of me that is prone to legalism, to liberalism. And I have to be honest with myself and call out my blind spots. This is why this is a mature word. It takes a lot of maturity to say I have blind spots. See how quiet he gets in his Baptist church? <laughs> I have a challenge for you. I did this the other day with my wife. It's a challenge because it takes maturity. I asked her this heavy question. I want to propose this to you as homework. Ask the people that won't lie to you, who won't tell you what you want to hear, ask them, what does it feel like to be on the other side of me? Embrace yourself. Because <laughs> in your mind, you're amazing. Like, in your mind, you're incredible. In your mind, you're like, man, I'm amazing. I, like, I know how to deal with people. I know how to relate to people. Like, but ask someone who's on the other side of that conversation who's not afraid to tell you the truth, and you might hear something like, well, you're such a blessing. <laughs> I dare you because you have blind spots. We all do. So here Paul is giving us a beautiful picture of how to actually grow up a bit in the faith. And he tells you there's a difference between a weak conscience and a strong conscience. Problem with the weak is, let's start with the weak. He says the weak can lose focus of the gospel because the weak thinks he needs to add to laws and regulations in order to please God. And the more you add, the less the gospel is true to you. It's not Jesus plus. It's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Because the moment you start adding, you got to ask the question, how much more do I need to add? So the weak doesn't understand that he's saved by grace alone. There's nothing he can do to earn God's love. There's nothing he can do to learn God's grace. It's a gift. Here's the thing with the weak, though. They mean well. These people mean well. They're trying to do the right thing, but not realizing that your good intentions are getting in the way of the gospel. It's possible to make doctrine out of personal preferences. Another thing about weak people is that weak people are very loud. The louder a person is, the more insecure they are. Weak people can become obnoxious. Don't get mad at me, but weak people talk too much because they're trying too hard to convince you of their position when they themselves are not sure. Weak people are very opinionated. Those are the people who have an opinion about everything on the face of the planet, and they want to make sure that you are under their opinion. Weak people love to post. 
On the flip side, the strong in conscience feels confident about the gospel, but they are insensitive to those around them. The strong can become arrogant and prideful and worse, egotistic, because all they do is think about themselves. Paul was addressing this same issue with another church in the city of Corinth, and he said this to the strong. He said this in Corinthians. Go ahead, throw it up. He says, now about food sacrifice to idols, we know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge what? Wild love. See the difference? Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know. Well, you know what Paul is saying? Hey, you guys feel like you're strong in your conscience because you have certain knowledge of things. You're missing it if your knowledge doesn't build up. It's one of the saddest things about church. I've done this long enough. I see this all the time where people have a little bit of knowledge of the Bible and they think they're better than other people. And worse, they won't acknowledge that their knowledge minus the love of God makes you a jerk and not a saint. We see this all the time. Don't become a stumbling block, Paul says. Please go home and read the entire chapter 8, man. It's a powerful, mature word if you're serious about being a follower of Jesus, not just a jerk. Because sometimes it's hard to tell the difference. Hello, somebody. Watch how he concludes chapter 8. He says this, he goes on, look, when you sin against them, the weak in conscience, in this way, and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Hello. You're actually sinning against God. Therefore, watch this, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause them to fall. That's a mature person. That if something bothers your conscience, I will not do it in front of you because I love you too much to put you in harm's way and to hurt your relationship with God. To summarize, the weak is any Christian who tend to promote and regard non-essential cultural and ceremonial customs as being critical for Christian maturity and effectiveness. That's a weak person in conscience when they're trying to impose their personal culture and preferences on everybody else. The strong on the flip side can become prideful because knowledge without love just puffs you up. It's a wrong picture of maturity. If I could teach this, man, this would be where I would camp and teach people just because you've been in church long enough and you know some Bible verses does not make you a mature believer. So watch this. This is the conundrum, right? The weak will feel the need to condemn the strong because he, he thinks you can do whatever. The strong feels superior and indifferent to the weak. That's the conundrum. The strong will take the weak lightly and call them legalistic. The weak will take the strong too seriously and be troubled and upset by them. You see the paradox? So here's what's interesting. The weak thinks he's strong, and the strong may actually be the weak one. 
The weak thinks he's strong because he's got all these rules and regulations and he, he, he knows what to do, what not to do. The strong is like, man, I got the grace of God. I don't need any of that. Both of them are wrong. So what is the solution? I'm glad you asked. My friends, the solution, if you're taking notes, please write this down. Both the weak and the strong in conscience should not follow their natural inclinations. That's the key. Because whether you are strong in conscience or weak in conscience, we are all saved by grace alone. And we are all justified by faith alone. And Paul told you, at the end of the day, there's only one judge. And he's not calling you on judgment day to sit on his lap and help him judge. You're going to be judged. And he's not going to ask you about your weak or strong friend. He's going to ask you about what did you do with the life that I gave you to live. My friends, beware of personal blind spots. And some of you, your word is, don't overrule your conscience. It's there for a reason. It's God-given. The hardest part about this talk to teach in a divisive world is the fact that if you're serious about Jesus, you must be okay with nuances because not everything is black and white. It's the hardest thing to teach because we are divisive, polarized society that you always have to pick a side, but sometimes picking a side is losing. Because not everything falls into a category of black and white. Not everything is systematic. Some, listen, I love theology. I love systematic theology. But not everything falls into a system. And you have to discern your way through things. To be a serious Christian is to live in the nuances. Jesus' favorite way of teaching was parables. And parables for Americans will drive us nuts. Because you want the bottom line. And Jesus is like, no, it's not about the bottom line. It's about making you think and go deeper than just the surface and see what else is there that I'm missing. Every time you read a parable, there's new things that God wants to reveal to you if you're paying attention. But we don't like parables. And God loves parables. Many times the disciples will say, Jesus, what does that mean? And he's like, I'm glad you asked. Because I want people to go deeper than just the surface. My friends, here's the thing, right? Don't get mad at me. I'm just a messenger. The reason why we don't like nuances is because whether you have a weak conscience or a strong conscience, we, are, we all struggle with being lazy thinkers. You're like, you're offending me. Yes, I am. Here's why. Because here's how I know we're lazy thinkers. Because we only think about one side. And if you're a serious believer... There are not only two sides. Sometimes there's ten sides. I always tell people in the church, when someone comes and share something with you and the other person is not in the picture, remember there's not only two sides. There's about five to seven sides. They're just showing you what they want to show you. There's a prism to this thing. Like There's many ways to see things. Man, I've been reading this thing for 25 years, and I still, can I be honest with you, I still feel like I don't know anything. Because it's always something else, and you keep growing, it keeps changing with you. The worst thing you could ever hear someone saying to you, my gosh, you've never changed. It's like, that's not a compliment. That's, that's offensive. <laughs> Think about it. If nothing in you has changed the last five years, 
you're a lazy person. I don't want to, I don't want to offend you. I'm telling you the truth. If your opinions haven't changed on anything, then you're not growing. You're not growing. You're, you're stuck. That's worse. I was in Brockton last week, shout out to y'all again, and I was telling them, listen, if you are a lazy thinker, you will always think in terms of black and white. Is this a sin? Is this not a sin? You know what a mature Christian will ask? Is this loving? Because sometimes it's not about being right, it's about being righteous. Lazy people want to be right, godly people want to be righteous. Which one are you? Instead of asking, is it a sin? Ask, is it loving? Hey, before I open my mouth, is this loving? Before I post, is this loving? Before I react, is this loving? Before I make the decision, is this loving? Because I want to be a man of God or a woman of God. St. Augustine said it best, love God and do whatever you want. Because if you truly love God, you won't do anything that will violate him and those he created. So let me give us some practical steps for those who are serious about Jesus and being a reflection and, a, and an incense. You don't want to be those who people are like, I can't wait to get away from this person. You ready? I'm going to give you some practical steps. Before you correct, how about you connect first? Well, let me put it this way. Connect before you correct. It is very hard to receive criticism from someone that you don't have a relationship with. I don't mind criticism. I don't mind constructive criticism as long as it's coming from a place where I know you love me and care about me enough to tell me the truth, not because you're just trying to put me down. So before you correct, connect. Because the relationship is more important. And actually, it's the relationship that allows someone to receive correction. That's why I can't listen to anyone who posts because that's not connecting. That's just immaturity posting nonsense. I can't take you seriously if a private conversation was made public. Because if you really cared, you would have called. If you really cared, you would have DM'd and said, let's talk about this. Think about it, we're all on a journey. I don't know about you, but I've had some convictions which changed over the years. And if you have no convictions changed over the years, you're a lazy person. You're not growing. Which means the second thing is it's unity over uniformity. See, God puts a high premium on unity because God only works where there's unity, not uniformity. See, weak-minded people want everything to be color coordinated all to fall in the same category but life doesn't work that way I got five kids they both have the same mom and dad and they could not be more different than each other so uh, as a healthy parent you want to know them individually not group them together into things the worst thing that could happen to this church it, it's like you walk into some churches the women have the same hairdo wear the same skirts the guys have the same Bible. It's like, that's not a church, that's a cult. <laughs> I don't have to look like you, talk like you, dress like you, act like you to want the same things God wants for us. Unity and uniformity is not the same thing. <laughs> My friends, 
We say principles over methods. Some churches do it differently. Methods could change. The principles are the same. A weak person can only see things through one filter. If we love filters on Instagram, why don't we like them in life? Please write this down. Don't play the role of the Holy Spirit in other people's lives. Don't play the role of the Holy Spirit in other people's lives. Sometimes we feel so strongly about something, we want to impose it on somebody else. But you never bother to ask the question, God, is this something you're convicting me about? (laughs) See, what blows my mind about church is this supernatural unity that only is possible by the Holy Spirit. Think about this, right? We're in this room right now. And all of us come from different backgrounds. We all come from different uh, families. We all come from different cultures. We, we are different races. We speak different languages. Some of us fall into different socioeconomic backgrounds. And the fact that we're here together right now, it's a miracle. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. So in other words, to be God's family is to transcend things that are just matters of opinion. In other words, we learn to disagree. We learn to agree to disagree on matters of opinions. Please write this down. If you, if you want to lead the way, start with you. I don't know about you, but here's how I think about this. I have so much work to do, I don't have time to judge you. God is still doing so much in me. God is still, listen, convicting me of things, correcting me of things, molding me, shaping me. I, listen, I have no energy for you. Because God's working on me. And if he's working on me, I hope he's working on you too. And if he's working on you, he's working on me. Maybe we can get together and iron can sharpen us iron because we can bless each other and strengthen each other. And just as a side note, my friends, can I tell you something? It's so dark out there. There's so much chaos out there. We have a good thing going in here. Don't ruin it because you have preferences. Don't ruin a good thing because you're not in tune with the Holy Spirit. Jesus told us to put down the bathroom, remember? He said, you're over here with the bat, like, let me help you with that speck in in your eye. And he's like, what about the two by four in your eye? Tell your neighbor, look at your eye. (laughs) Put down the bat. You ain't qualified. Notice how he ends. He says, we will be judged by how we treat each other. I can't emphasize that enough. You won't be judged based on how many Bible verses you know, how many times you went to church, how color-coded your Bible is. You're going to be judged by how you treated your neighbor. Please write this one down. A mature believer puts relationships over opinions. Some marriages are in trouble because you're more concerned with being right than you're concerned about your marriage. There are friends who won't talk to each other over opinions, vaccine opinions, political opinions, Bible opinions. You won't talk to someone created in the image and likeness of God because that opinion is more important than someone who is eternal. Crazy. 
because we have a hard time discerning what's essential and what's not essential. And I want to help us with that today. Centuries ago, the church was struggling with this stuff. Believe me, there's nothing under the sun. You know, I was telling someone this week, I'm like, some Christians read the Bible like it's, oh, it's so beautiful, and colorful. It's like, no, it's all issues. <laughs> it's all addressing issues. So the church got together and says, man, we need to figure out what are the essentials of the faith so we can have conversations outside of that, which is just opinions. So I want to present to you something that's, that's old in our tradition of church history. It's the Apostles' Creed. It's what binds believers together. Look at what the Apostles' Creed says. Look, this is what matters. I believe in God the Father, almighty, created of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven, and he's seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, not the, not the religion, but the universal church of Jesus Christ. The communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And that's what it means to be a Christian. Everything outside of that is a matter of opinion. But what's fascinating is I see more people leaving the church out of personal preference than doctrine. Because of lack of maturity. So today, my friends, I want to conclude with, play a little game with you. Remember the game Deal or No Deal? I want to play a little game with you called Big Deal or No Big Deal. And I, want to, I, want, I want you to answer. I want you to tell me what you think about these things. These are some hot topics in here. I put it in the prayer box that my daughter made for me. And I pray this goes well because I don't know how you're going to react to this. But you tell me, big deal or no deal? You ready? Democrats, big deal or no deal? It's not a big deal. You could be a Christian and vote however you want. You could be a Democrat and barely make it to heaven, but you will make it. <laughs> big deal or no big deal? Smoking weed. If you're not sure, the great theologian Snoop Dogg told you this week he stopped smoking. So it is a big deal. It's affecting his health. It's affecting his mind. It's a counterfeit of the real thing you're looking for. It doesn't release anxiety. It gives you more anxiety. So I got a suggestion for you. Get high on the Holy Spirit and you won't need to smoke weed. Big deal or no big deal? There are only two genders. That's a big deal. God said I made male and female. If you're not sure, get back to the word. Big deal or no big deal? Trump. He's not a freaking big deal. He's ain't no savior. If you're more excited about the second coming of Trump instead of Jesus Christ, you're the problem. Yeah. 
Big deal or no big deal? Bible translations. It's not a big deal. Some people die on this hill. King James. King James came around 16th century after the Bible was already existed in all languages. What are we doing, my friends? If you're reading the Bible, God will speak to you. I don't care what translation you're reading. <laughs> big deal or no big deal? Denominations. Not a big deal. Man-made. You won't find Baptists in the Bible. You won't find Pentecostals in the Bible. You won't find Catholics in the Bible. All you will find is people bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. In heaven, there's no denominations. People sometimes ask me, what denomination are you? We are non-denominational. We're not affiliated with any denomination, which is a denomination in itself. <laughs> big deal or no big deal? Tattoos. It's not. Go read the book of Revelation. There's a weird verse that says when he comes back on our white horse, he might have this tattoo on his side that's going to jack up a lot of religious people. <laughs> so I have one thing to say. Pray about it so you have no regrets. <laughs> big deal or no big deal? Sex outside of marriage. It is a big deal. The best sex you will ever have is with the partner that God gives you for the rest of your life. You know why? Because you're connected in mind, body, and spirit. Hello, somebody. Big deal or no big deal? Style of worship music. Not a big deal. You don't know what God's listening to in heaven right now. He could be bumping k Verdian worship music. You have no idea. I got news for you. You're going to get to heaven. You're going to speak Creole, and you're going to eat a lot of kachupa. All right? Big deal or no big deal? Drinking alcohol. The Bible says it doesn't condemn drinking. It condemns getting drunk. I had an uncle, one of my favorite uncles. He passed away a few years ago. His favorite Bible verse was when Paul told Timothy, have a little wine. It's good for your stomach ailments. So every time we had family parties, my uncle would bust out his favorite Bible verse. But I'm like, uncle, he just said, don't get drunk. You're out there wilding out. Bible says don't get drunk with the, whole, with the wine. Get filled with the Holy Spirit. You won't need substances. Big deal or no big deal? Abortion. Yeah. It's a big deal. Psalm 139 says, I created you in your mother's womb. Life happens at conception because God creates life at conception. It is a big deal. <laughs> Republicans. Big deal or no big deal? It's not a big deal. You can love Jesus and vote Republican. You might be a jerk, but we love you. <laughs> big deal or no big deal? Yoga pants. <laughs> <laughs> big deal or no big deal? Here's my answer. Ask your husband. <laughs> Last one. Big deal or no big deal? Online dating. Big deal or no big deal? I say this, pray about it so you don't end up with a Jezebel. Come on, somebody, do you receive the word today? Come on, stand with me. We're going to pray. Here's my prayer for us today. I want you to pray this prayer. I'm serious. You ready? Ask the Holy Spirit to give you a sense of humor. We need more people with a sense of humor who won't take themselves too seriously, but they'll take God seriously. 
Because not everything is doctrine. Some things are just a matter of personal preferences. It would be a shame for us to be divided over things that are secondary in God's economy. We have an election coming. Don't let that divide us. United we stand. Divided we fall. So let's pray together that the Holy Spirit will help us. Holy Spirit, you know each one of us. You know our weak conscience. You know our strong conscience. You know what we feel strongly about and some things we don't feel strong. You know all of us, God. I just want to lift us all to you and pray for supernatural unity to be our portion. God, give us a sense of humor where we're not taking ourselves too seriously. God, help us not forsake the fellowship of believers because of things that are secondary. Holy Spirit, fall fresh on your people today. God, give us a, a better perspective, a higher perspective, a heaven perspective on things so we're not caught up on little things. Holy Spirit, fall fresh on us. Teach us your word today. Have your way with us. I'm going to invite the prayer team to come. Listen, maybe some of the stuff is jack you up. Come, come wrestle with the Holy Spirit. Come sit with the Holy Spirit. Don't be in a rush to leave. Be more concerned with being righteous than being right.